Adam Jamel, let's go! I'm Aaron Schroeder, let's go! This is the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Yeah, baby! Aaron, I watch so many sports, so many damn sports, even baseball for some reason, but no duck sports, no duck football, unfortunately, but kind of fortunately, it was nice. I also watched sports, Adam. Hmm. But not amateur, only professional. Only professional sports. Well, hey, still on the duck-related note here, as we do Hmm. here, I watched, like, Justin Herbert beat Russell Wilson. I watched watched the Justin mm -hmm. Herbert commercial. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. I watched Marcus Mariota uh, win that game. I forget against who. I was kind of only half-watching. Kayvon Thibodeau got the strip sack of Mar Jackson he's for in. the win. Oh yeah, he's playing. He he healed. The injury wasn't too bad, so he's he's been playing. Awesome. Had a very That's emotional. I was really worried about that. Oh no, he's doing well, man. He's doing well. Thank Giants even ain't doing bad, which is kind of crazy. I love that kid. Yeah, uh, we were both watching some Mariners baseball. It was just cool that they made it to the playoffs. Is Thibodeau on the Giants? Yeah, Thibodeau's a Giant baby. That's my brother-in-law's team, so it's still in the family. Still, in, it's a family. I should probably affair. get his jersey for him. Oh my oh, yeah. god, that's gonna be, that's gonna be his Christmas gift. Nailed it. Nice. He'll love it. That's great. Man. He is. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there's some more Duck fans that I can't. Uh, duck ex, Duck NFL players. But um, Aaron, I got. There's big news. There's a, there's a bunch of big news. But uh, in my it personal is. life, a lot of times I don't announce. You I'm gonna married. do something on this. No. I'm not. I'm not announcing what I do on this podcast unless I'm sure I'm going to do it because it kind of puts my foot to the fire, you know. So first of all, Oregon and UCLA, the big game coming up, which we got a great interview by the way, not only with Hithliday who will be on the show per use, but uh, with Carlos of No Truck Stops podcast that'll be coming to you shortly here, uh, talking all about that UCLA game, but. Nope. So UCLA, Oregon, the game, uh, uh, you know, huge, top of the, of 10 the pack. of the pack. Maybe, I mean, of the week, because both teams, top 10, Oregon, number 10, UCLA, number 9, Woo! all at Austin. And Aaron, are you familiar with College Game Day? College Game Day is, is a tradition, for us college okay. football fans, every morning uh, around six in the morning our time, uh, Kirk Herb Street and the boys, Lee Corso, all of them, they go up there, and it's just a, it's just the preview show for college football. It's about three hours long. Jesus. It always has fans, has hundreds of fans in the background holding signs and stuff like that. You know, they choose a destination. One destination every it's week, Eugene. and they go there. They go there live. It's Eugene, Oregon, my man. Woo! And so, if someone were to be on College Game Day and be seen by millions of fans on ESPN, you would have to go there at about four thirty in the morning, wait yeah. for an hour and a half in the dark, 
Uh, it's going to be raining that day. And then once it is, once you are there and stuff like that, then you're just waiting there for three hours, not doing anything until they cut to commercial. And then you freak out and wave your sign and stuff. And then they, and then you don't do anything. You would kind of have to be a diehard idiot to do it, in my opinion. And Aaron, like dedicated to the idiocy. Yes, you're looking at that idiot right here. Your man, truly, yours, yours right here. Your man. I'm gonna go to college game day, and I'm gonna hold a sign, and it's gonna say Quack Twelve on it, because I want to represent this. That's where I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it should say podcast or not. Should it? But it should, should we go for obviously the because that's what it is. Should we go for the the bra- the blatant product placement, or should it be should be a hint of it? Well, mm. you know, you raise a great point because should it be hashtag we... Quack Twelve instead? Because then it's it's not jamming the advertising down your throat, but it's but... directing you somewhere. This is the these are the questions. It's tough. You know, I think if you just put Quack Twelve, that actually seems the safest, right? Because it's the ambiguous. pun is there. Yeah, the cameraman won't be like in a bad mood and being like, "I'm not giving this asshole, yeah, some free air, you know, free ad time." It's seemingly just a pun, but then I'm yep. doing hashtag Quack Twelve, so people can go on Twitter and such, do it, reach that out, and they'll find us. Do it in this, but maybe do it as our logo, the Quack 12 that Sandy made. Oh, yeah. Like, just draw idea. that shield because that's, that is our branding. That's a great, look at you. the pact, that's what you do. It's also easy. It's also look easy. Look at you. Oh, my God. You save me so much time. It makes so much more sense. And it looks good. It's clean. It's our yeah, logo. Yeah, it's clean. Boom. That's something they would want to put on air. And Sandy's we'll be- design should be on college College, college game day. I agree. Thank you. I'm so glad I brought this up. You you saved me so much time. Um, I'm I don't stoked know. for you to go. Yeah, and it's gonna suck. But nah. <laughs> I mean, I'll have a good time. I'm getting yeah. like a bunch of coffee in my system. Just freaking out. I was just thinking. Big old thick probably, mask though. I bet the crowd is. Go- you're gonna wear a mask. Yeah. What are those? The serious masks are they called N95s? <laughs> I'm wearing. Do one you of those wear a mask in the restaurant still? I do. Yeah, I, I've been on and off, but as of late, because I, I feel like I'm seeing, like, spikes in it again, you know. Oh, okay. Um, And because the smoke's been so bad down here. Dirt. Pretty bad. Yeah, that's been me on some walks. It's just like, I'm going to put on the ma- I'm like. I mean, just why I'm not? kind of thankful because I'm like, man, now I've got all these masks. This uh-huh. wildfire smoke is kind of negotiable. I am one nice thing about COVID. A disease or, or, you know, uh, illness that killed a bunch of people. You wash your hands more frequently. (laughs) You wash your hands more frequently. But also it's, I like, I do like that it has introduced the mask culture into America because it was such a not, it was something we forgot about really and something we just didn't do. And a lot of other cultures, you just do it. And as someone who occasionally gets uh, ugly cold sores on their lip, what a wonderful thing it is to just throw a mask on it. You know what I mean? Or if you if you're missing a tooth, if you're a buck tooth idiot or something like that, throw a mask. People I like look... it when people lean into the uh, missing a tooth and they just like always oh, yeah. are smiling and making ridiculous faces. That's very true. It's actually it's super charming to miss one tooth. Yeah, it's less charming every tooth after that. It also depends on which tooth. If it's a back tooth that you're missing, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, you're bad at hygiene. If it's a front yeah. tooth, you're like. 
you did something stupid. You got a crazy <laughs> story, man. Yeah, if it's one of those those first teeth. Yeah, I got a crazy story I'll tell on the Patreon sometime about knocking out both my two front teeth, actually. Um, but anyway, Are those fake teeth? These are my real teeth, surprisingly. They put them back in. They put them back in, and it was pretty God, painful. what happened? <laughs> I'll just say it really quickly. I was at a uh, well, friend of the show. That I mean, I'll plug this. Uh, he, he has a great band now. This was a less great band. Uh, a band called Squish. Look them up. They're great. Squish. Um, so I was at... I was at this friend's band, uh, and, and there was a mosh pit. And, like, I had just gotten there, and I run Jump. into this mosh pit, and I'm like, woo! And the back of this guy's head comes back, nails me immediately. And I had just gotten my braces off, so I'm pretty sure my teeth were a little more, like, like Whoa, just Whoa, are you, like, in high off. school? Yeah. And wow. both my two front teeth pop out. Just a boom. But... Both their roots are still completely intact. So I've got two dangling teeth out of my mouth. I know listeners are like, I didn't sign up for this as a Ducks fan podcast. But I was, I was, so basically what happened, my dentist wanted to just yank them out, but we're like, eh. so we called my orthodontist, who's a nice guy, Dr. Benyon, Medford, Oregon, great guy. He's like, meet me at the office at midnight. Bring your retainer. I'm going to need you to put your teeth in your retainer right now and then put your retainer on. Basically, shove those bad boys back in there. Ow! Yeah, really, 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 really hurt. One of the most painful experiences of my life. Because I did this at, at home by myself. And I did that. But then he was like, okay, that's basically a cast for you. If you keep that retainer on for two weeks, um, Go fuse. then they'll be okay. And guess what? These bad boys are my real teeth. They're still doing good. It all worked out. It was a disgusting process. But there you have it, listeners. I'm sure that's what you wanted to know. Dude, congratulations. Congratulations on the willpower to... Yeah, I felt pretty There's something cool. to be said for the human spirit when it's tested through trials of, like, pain. Mm. I agree. For real. You I'm see... Brave. You, I feel like you see the universe for its reality, <laughs> which is that it's fucking chaos out here, y'all. <laughs> That's why Pac-12 football is so great. Yeah. That's why we play football, to remind <laughs> us of the chaos and the, the futility of yeah. mere existence. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Did I just turn into Bill Walton? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about college game day. It's also going to be raining that day, first time in, like, a month. So it's going to well, be cold and rainy, which I'm kind of well, down knows for. What might happen in five days? You can't. Pre nobody can predict anything. A hundred percent. That is true. I, I kind of hope closed. it is raining. I kind of hope it is raining. To tell you the truth, you have a good rain jacket. I have a decent rain jacket. Not you great. got a good coffee mug. Mm, yeah, I got a good coffee mug. I don't you know. Got if a good let me keep it. They may. Uh, yes, I do. Then you're fine. Yeah. 4 a.m. Yeah. is going to be nothing. <laughs> yes, you're always getting me through life, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And, and they also have, like, weird, like, they have some rules on, like, the ESPN site where it's, like, no sign, like, no polls for your sign. Sure. Just the sign. But it's, like, I've seen, I see motherfuckers with polls all the way. I'm looking Look, through, but I don't want to push it. If there's one thing that uh, mm. mainstream Hollywood is concerned about, it's vampires. Mm. Because they are vampires. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so they yeah. don't want you bringing wooden stakes. 
That's a good one. I like that. And I'll, not only that, but I want to. I was thinking this. So Quack Twelve logo on the front, on the back for the people behind, for the hundreds of Duck fans behind me. Yeah, I got Quack Twelve podcast written on that back. Bangerang, boom. Mm, that's how you promote a podcast. And I'll tell you this: this is also how you introduce a guest, ladies and gentlemen from Addicted to Quack. We've got the resident film reviewer slash managing editor over there. It's a wonderful SB Nation site. He's also a wonderful follow on Twitter. That is at Hithloday One H Y T H L O D A Y, the number one, ladies and gentlemen. Hithloday of Addicted to Quack. How are you doing, Hithloday? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. We're talking about, I've decided, am I going to the game? No, I'm not going to the game. But I am going to game day, and I'm holding up a Quack 12 sign. So that's what I'm going to be doing. But that's the only part of Eugene in which it will rain. I know. It's going to be bad. But hopefully there'll be slightly less people, slightly less signs. That's what I'm going for. You, you need think... to make sure it's got a gloss over it so that the mm. markers and such don't bleed. I know. Well, maybe I'll go try to get this thing actually printed. Or, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll figure it out, listeners. But it's it's gonna it's gonna take some work. I'll document it on Twitter, possibly. How this failed, possibly failed attempt at making a simple <laughs> sign. <laughs> um, Hith the day. Uh, what I you mean, been up to? Yeah, what you been up to? Oh, it's the bye week, so I've been uh, in term in football terms. I've been catching up on uh, you know my backlog of film. Um, I'm actually deep enough that I I'm today's project is watching the Washington Arizona State game. Uh, you know, and and Oregon doesn't mm. play Washington n- until November. You know, I, I I I really like the opportunity to get you know more games in, and then uh, because Oregon's played six games, I published an article on Tuesday, just going. I basically just you know turned over my my tally sheet and dumped it all out into an article. Yeah, it's not very artfully written, but it's like here's every stat I collected. Here you go, you monkeys. <laughs> yeah, like, I joy. I liked it though. I mean, honestly, because um, well, there's a lot of stuff that people that will talk on and on and on and on and on and on on about the ducks like sometimes it's it's well it's really nice to have someone like you that's literally like charting watching everything to watch say how the offensive line is unfolding exactly who's getting time who's like not sitting out or something like that i saw that like uh jones is it is it possible there's a a little injury kind of thing that is his, who knows yeah I, they I, don't really talk about it um yeah but i i, I like i appreciated that and uh, i also thought it was interesting that you you noted like hey who who's the, what is the right thing to do when it comes to the, an anomaly like the georgia game this season do you put it in do you put it out you kind of like here's both here's what it looks like with here's what it looks like here's the information like, yeah, which is I, all you can I, do. I decided that was a yeah i just figured like you know I, I can make arguments about what should and shouldn't be excluded but like it's probably easiest or, you know, most straightforward and sort of trusts the reader like, well, just here's all the data and you can choose. And the thing that's remarkable about whether you exclude the Georgia data or not. Oh, and the other game that I, you know, gave the option of excluding was the Eastern Washington game. Like I normally when I'm computing scores, I exclude the FCS games. Um, 
but like, you know, mid-season, you know, only six games. That's like a sixth of your sample, right? So mm-hmm. like, okay, like here's what the numbers look like. And, and like there, it often is the case with teams that like, if you exclude their game against an FCS opponent, you know, halfway through the season, their numbers, you know, tend to look less impressive, right? Like that they're, you know, that they they really ran it up against the FCS team. Um but then if you exclude the, you know, that data, Oregon, that doesn't really happen. They basically performed against Eastern Washington the same way that they performed against their other FBS opponents, with the exception of Georgia. And actually on the offense, you know, uh, they performed against Georgia, you know, pretty much the same as they performed against everybody. Um, it's really only the defense that that gets a huge mm-hmm. bump when you exclude the Georgia data, which I feel like most people sort of intuitively, you know, got watching that game. It's just like, yes, Oregon only threw three or only scored three points and Nick's threw a couple of interceptions. And so like, it looks pretty bad, you know, on the scoreboard, but just like watching the game, like Oregon was moving the ball, you know, like, um, and you know, the efficiency rates don't really change, Mm -hmm. you know, going up against Georgia's defense compared to BYU's or Stanford's or Arizona's. And like those, those aren't great defenses. And, and the reason that, that really happens is that like you know the thing that i've i've really noticed over like more than a decade of charting teams is that your efficiency numbers don't really change based on your opponent mm-hmm. like um it, it's your yardage numbers will change and your explosiveness numbers will change but whether or not you succeed or fail really just comes down to like who you are more than who the opponent is that's the most um, motivational thing you've said on this podcast Hmm. Um, beautiful. like if you're playing an FCS team, your successful plays will be even more successful. You know, you'll get more yards out of them, but whether you cross that threshold, um, you know, between a successful and a failure play, it's like, it's really, it's how well you execute your assignment and the opponent, you know, it does the opponent's quality is really just about like limiting when when the opponent when we're talking about oregon or or whatever team you're talking about on offense the the opponent will the opponent's defense will be able to like okay he tackled that guy after five yards instead of tackling him you know after eight yards or ten yards or whatever um but like ultimately it was about the line executing it was about the play selection you know it was about the running back being able to identify the correct hole and having the patience to hit it at the right time and all of those things are about how well you practice and how much talent you have and the opponent just decides you know, the opponent quality just decides like where the tackle gets made, you know, whether he, you know, it's a really huge talented linebacker who thumps you and brings you down immediately for only a five yard gain, or, you know, it's a little wimp who, you know, the running back sort of runs over and gets, you know, eight more yards. Like that's what opponent quality determines. And, and the, the same is true, just the mirror image of it on the defense, you know, I'm sure you can imagine how that happens. So anyway, like that, that one doesn't really surprise me. It actually was a pretty huge surprise to flip over to the defensive side of the ball and see how much of um, an increase in performance happened when you exclude the, the Georgia data. Like it is like, Oregon's defense just was absolutely thoroughly humiliated um, by Georgia. And like, I've had a lot of different conversations about why that might've been, you know, like my theory is that Georgia just like Dan Lanning didn't change his passwords. You know, I think I've, I've offered that theory on this podcast before that like Georgia knew where the blitzes were coming from and they would just throw behind the blitzes before the blitz even really got going. Like they knew that there wasn't going to be a defender there. And that's why Stetson Bennett's like pass completion rate 
at, at that in that game was like 80 percent, and it's never been like that high before True. or since well and it makes um, sense that it's like dan lanning coming into this program defensive coach like first game like you are not installing something to purely be a bluff for georgia like i i feel like the 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 that would be worse for your program to do sure. anything that than to just like really you're installing the basic of you know the the basic packages the basic everything just to get off the ground and it was just a perfect storm of a whole lot of things well yeah I, it, exactly as you say it was a perfect storm you know like like i've talked to people who have alternate theories about that who are like you know they you know just psychologically you know like that that opener in atlanta you know like first game first time head coach you know the team i've heard theories that are like the team had problems but it's hard to identify them until you play a live game which is why like a lot of teams prefer to open with like an fcs opponent or a lower and and not play their you know real tough game until week two so they have like a week of live rest well, oregon didn't get that you mm -hmm. know like whereas georgia a national championship you know team coming off of a national championship like they know what they're doing you know they didn't need you know a, a week to like suss out those problems um and even though they did lose a lot of their dudes on defense like the all the dudes who were playing were guys who got huge amount of garbage time reps last year you know in this system so like you know like but anyway sort of the thing about that perfect storm is that like all of those things can be true like they're not mutually exclusive theories um they're probably all true a little bit um at least a little bit i should say mm. and uh and, and but like none of those things obtain for weeks two through 13 you know what i mean like mm. oregon's only going to play one opener they're only going to play one team that's got five-star talent up and down the board they're only going to play one team that knows dan laning's passwords they're only going to play one game in atlanta you know they're only going to play one game where it's you know their first game with a new system with a new head coach and sort of like for for all those reasons i think that it makes sense to exclude the georgia game you know in terms of like if you want to use these numbers to sort of predict how oregon is going to perform in the future taking out the game that is never going to be repeated like the conditions under which that game was played are never going to be repeated is like okay that makes sense and then when you do that it's like holy cow the numbers jump like like i mean like usually you know like i i i have the ability you know because all of this is just in a database so it's just real easy to like to exclude a certain game and like before i publish any article um you know about about an opponent you know in which i've got like well i've charted their last eight games or you know whatever like i always go through and i exclude each individual game one by one to check you know how it affects the numbers and usually you're talking about like oh, it moved like a, a point, you know, or, you know, it's like the, usually the variations are very minor, even games where you're like, oh, man, they got blown out in that game and you exclude it. And you're like, oh, you know, oh, their performance only jumped by like two percentage points because it's usually not really a big deal. This game, it jumps by six and a half percentage points, mm -hmm. which is like, I mean, it's bonkers. Like, I, I don't think I can express like a percentage point in efficiency metrics is like the equivalent of like a foot of sea level rise. <laughs> like imagine, imagine you own beachfront property. And I just told you that it's, you know, tomorrow there's going to be six and a half feet, you know, the sea level is going to be six and a half feet higher. Like that's how <laughs> incredible a one 
game exclusion is. Uh, one um, thing I, I very much enjoy about the latest, uh, well, basically, or the Oregon Football 2022 Midseason Statistical Review is the article. Great, great title, by Just the way. Just a like, Everybody's making catchy. a t-shirt for that title right now. <laughs> yeah, over at Addicted to Quack, there's a catchy title. Um, so one thing I enjoyed about the article, too, is that, like, it, there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, if you're watching every game, it wasn't a whole bunch of information that just, like, completely, like, shocked you. Like, oh, I can't believe they're doing much better or much worse in this category. But it did put – it it coined it, like, it, it uh, explained it in a way that it's like, ah, yes, that made perfect sense. As in, like, stuff like – like, obviously, the passing game has drastically improved, which has just improved the entire offense overall. Sure. And and, and also things like, uh, you know, Bridges is getting – is kind of getting burned online for just like, oh, we need to get a better – like, immediately someone else better than him. I thought you put it really well where it's like – He's basically one play a game. He's getting burned real bad, but other than that, he's doing pretty well. You know, like yeah. I thought that was a. Uh, it just made sense having watched the season. It's like, yeah, that feels about right. And, yeah, it's you know. it, it's nice to give out the numbers because it's sort of like it quantifies a lot of things would feel like intuitively true. It it, it sort of it, it sort of bounds the like the it kind of constrains hyperbole right like Mm. oh you know you know here's exactly what bridges score is and so people who you know want to be like you know screaming about him or people who want to be like you don't know what you're talking about this guy's great you know it's like no it's it's right here you know this is the number you know or like or alternately you know when there really is an extreme number that you can scream about like you can really scream about it so like the one that i've been screaming about to the point where i italicized it in my article which cool. is like i'm i'm sure you can tell from my tone is like crazy Calm is down. that like Oregon in 20. So I did this, whole, you know, a, a very similar project to this at the end of the 2021 season. It was a postseason statistical review. And I published basically all the same numbers, but for that team, not this one. And the thing about Oregon's offense in like in basically five of the six stats that I track um, on offense, which, you know, it's it's efficiency yardage and explosiveness. And then for the passing game and for the rushing game, that's why there's six in five of those six. The scores are fairly similar to 2021. Like all three of the rushing greats, they're better, but like they were already great in 2021 and they're sort of dragged down by the two Utah games. Um, But like the, you know, Oregon's rushing performance has been excellent for years now, like Mm -hmm. way beyond championship caliber, you know, level. And the other thing about 2021, and this might sound like crazy to some people who's like their only memory of it is Anthony Brown throwing deep balls and missing all the time, (laughs) um, is that Oregon's yards per play or yards per pass attempt and and explosiveness uh, frequency in the passing game were actually pretty good. It was like 8.2 yards per attempt and like 18% or so explosiveness, which is like, those are good numbers. Um, Oregon actually had a relatively dynamic passing game when they were completing passes. It's just that, you know, you know, between accuracy and then the other factor is like that I'm sure fans will, will remember. And, you know, I, as we were talking about a second ago, I can provide numerical support for an intuitive feeling is that like a lot of completed passes, but it was like three yards on third and seven, you know, kind of stuff where it's like, well, that goes down as a completed pass, but it was useless, you know, like there's still a lot of field. So there was, you know, that dragged Oregon's passing efficiency down to only about 52%. 50 is, is average. 60% is championship caliber. So like 62 is like 
it's above average, but barely, and it's, it's not going to get you, you know, to a championship. Um, so in 2022 so far, that's the big change. Like all the other numbers on mm. offense are, are fairly similar, but they've gone from 52% passing efficiency to 63% passing efficiency. And that's even if you include the Georgia data, nice. which like that's an 11 percentage point bump <laughs> in passing efficiency, which like I just finished going nuts about like a 6.5%. You're on the raise. roof. Barely. Yeah, this is like, this point. imagine, yeah, 11, you know, that's a tsunami. That's, you mm. know, 11 foot of sea level rise. Like mm. that's, I mean, uh, you're that's your like 30 is, years down the future bad. I yeah, mean, I know. Yeah. It's like a one year, you know, that's, I mean, the, the it, like, this is a very quarterback centric game and having a quarterback who's like placing the ball accurately and where it's supposed to be, you know, on time and catchable so that the receiver can get some yards after contact. Like, yeah, man, it's a big deal. Like this is, you know, there's a reason why everybody freaks out about quarterbacks and like so much of football commentary is about quarterbacks is like, yeah, you know, that's the difference, you know, between like a good quarterback and a great quarterback is 11 percentage points worth of passing efficiency. Like, yeah, it's just that, you know, like, yeah, it's a very quarterback centric game and Oregon has a pretty good quarterback. Hell yeah. I like to hear that. Um I'm very excited about all that. Once again, addicted to quack is where you can find these every week. Wonderful work by Hayfield Day. Uh, I believe we're gonna go into a commercial break and then we will be hearing from Carlos of No Truck Stops Podcast. We did a little interview of him just to just to get the temperature of this game coming up of dtr coming to eugene of chip kelly blah 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 yeah so um we'll be right back hey podcast listen hey come you. over here come yeah. over here get over here yeah. huh? nice headphones you got in here oh yeah i like those chevy be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Quack 12, give us five stars. Yeah, the internet. You got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing if you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listener on their long inner in, inner uh, continental flight 
making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby wah, by covering wah. it up. Wah, wah, so they say. Putting on them headphones. Trying to get the Sky Waitress's attention. To get over here, give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars, that's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey, let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack quack! Ooh boy, listeners, guess who's back, back again? That is right. Well, not yet, but Chip Kelly. Motherfucker, Chip Kelly is back. The coach that took us to the highest highs that we had ever been to. That is right. He took us to that national championship. He had Scam Newton uh, uh, cheat his way into a victory in that game. That's right. I'm still... Dyer was down. I got I got actually confused what I was talking about, thinking about that national championship game. So back to the point. Chip Kelly is coming back with his new squad, UCLA. They're coming to Eugene, a place where he's won hundreds, if not thousands of games. And uh, to look forward to that game, which which could be the, the, the Pac-12 game of the year. Who knows if USC falls off a cliff? It could be. Who knows? And for that, for this most intense game, we had to get one of my absolute favorite Pac-12 talking heads on the interweb sphere. That is Carlos of No Truck Stops Podcast, a fantastic Pac-12 podcast. Carlos, how you doing? I am doing well. Nervous time. Peak nervous time. Ooh, I bet, man. When is the last time that you felt this anxiety for UCL football in your stomach? Because, like, I'm sure there's, like, I really don't want to lose to... Syracuse, or I, I forget who you play. I don't think you played Syracuse in football, but you know, like, uh, I don't want to lose to, you know, I don't want to lose another non con. That's a different pit in your stomach. This is like their stakes. Was it after the LSU win, maybe? Like, you were like, no, oh. no, it's a good question and a, and a good reminder that there hasn't been much to feel around UCLA football for some time. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, Oh, I, I cannot remember the last time I sort of felt like, man, it would be so cool if UCLA won this game. It'd be very, very cool. Uh, it, would, it would be, I think it, I think the last time that I even came close to this and it really wasn't that close was ironically, it was like 2019. I think uh, it was um, uh, Chip Kelly's second year at UCLA. His first year was 
you know, kind of kind of a bummer, but I think people sort of expected that. 2019, a similar bummer, but they had started to pick some stuff up. They had just come off on an, an, a truly unhinged win um, against Washington State where they can't, came back from down. It was like 67-63 is that final score. I think everyone maybe remembers the result of that mm-hmm. one. They had lost a couple, and then they had won three in a row, like Stanford, a ranked Arizona State team, and then they beat the hell out of Colorado. And they played Utah in Salt Lake City, and I think like the way that just the way the season had worked out, UCLA was in contention for a Pac-12 South title. So they'd be, but even then, I was like, UCLA is absolutely getting torn apart. So that one was like in the back of my head. I was like, yeah, maybe if things went our way, but it's been um, a very, very, very long time. I'd have to say the last time was maybe. 2014 when <laughs> ucla when ucla uh they it would they uh went nine and two before the game against stanford and as you know uh playing stanford for any sort of stakes is fucking miserable <laughs> yeah that's when they flip it on you yeah. yeah and uh that stanford team was not good and ucla got uh their teeth kicked in um ended up going to the alamo bowl which is kind of okay but they were about to go to the pac-12 title game if they had just won that game and they didn't so that was maybe the last time I felt any sort of like, oh god, this 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 could this is this could be big, you know. And I feel similarly. That's you a long ass time. Out. Yeah, it's a long ass time, my man. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea. It's, it's very <laughs> weird. So this is why I've been completely insufferable on Twitter, like wildly insufferable, just saying shit I do not believe because uh, <laughs> I will never. I like these moments are so rare. I get maybe one to two weeks of this, like every three years. It just does not come. So I got I got to get in my DTR is better than Marcus Mariota takes all I can. <laughs> oh god. Bro, I'm not lying. I'm blocking you if you win this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be oh so my bad. God. Oh my god. Uh so this season has been quite a roller coaster. I would imagine if I was in your fans, there's moments where I'm like I think Chip Kelly's finally got it. I think he's finally ready to be a Big 10 coach. And then there's other moments where I'd be like, we need to get this clown off the fucking staff. We almost lost to South Alabama University. Like, or whatever it's called. University of South Alabama. Is that it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's University of South Alabama. It's truck stop. (laughs) Truck stops. Who cares? Um, So, yeah. Describe that journey for us, please, of of this most crazy season. Yeah, I mean, I uh, so UCLA obviously beats the hell out of its first two opponents, Bowling Green and Alabama State, and they did not look good in either of them. Uh, I think there were real concerns coming out of both of those. And then they play South Alabama, uh, and they narrowly escaped that one. They really needed to. They needed South Alabama to galaxy brain themselves into a loss in order to come <laughs> away unscathed, uh, but they did, and they beat Colorado. And I think after those first four games where it was maybe one of the easiest stretches in UCLA history, frankly, uh, I think most people were sort of like, I think many people were sort of like this UCLA team is fraudulent. I felt like this UCLA team was fraudulent. Yes. They had beaten the hell out of some bad teams, but it didn't mean much. And then they played Washington uh, and, and, and hosted Washington and, mostly dominated that game. Uh, The score was 40 to 32, but Washington scored some garbage time ish touchdowns. Uh, Obviously I think they had a chance to to sort of do something about it defensively and and couldn't do it. Um, And I think that changed the tune a little bit. It made the Utah game matter. um, (laughs) And, and, and they went and did something similar to Utah, honestly. And uh, I think that's when, Really, I think people started believing after after the Utah game because 
Utah has had UCLA's number. Uh, Utah's had a lot of teams' numbers over the past couple of years, but certainly Utah, UCLA had not been in Utah since 2017, I think, was mm. probably the last time, if not 2015. Uh, it actually might have been 2015. It's been a very, very long time since uh, UCLA had beaten Utah. And Utah, and, and those were not close games either. They were all Utah blowouts. They're the standard bearer of the Pac-12. They're a well-coached team. They've got some returning talent. They're the most talented they've ever been in their entire history. Uh, so for UCLA to actually win that game, I think it's completely ch- t- changed the narrative and what people think, what I think about this UCLA team. Looking back at those games, we can sort of say, well, maybe they were sandbagging it in those in those early games. Against South Alabama, South Alabama's turned out to be actually a pretty good G5 team, a pretty good yeah. Sunbelt team. So, um, you know, this is what happens. You think uh, this team does not look good or they look very good. And then you start looking back at some of their last uh, games retrospectively and being like, well, maybe we should reevaluate what that game meant. Um, and in this case, for UCLA, it's positive. Uh, this is certainly the best start for UCLA in a very long time. Uh, I, I, they haven't gone 6-0, and I think, since like 2003 or 2004 or something like that. So this has been a promising start. We'll see how it goes, but uh, people are excited. Um, I don't know what that's going to mean in terms of fan turnouts at games. That's always a discourse, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I think, I think people are very, very curious and excited and UCLA is getting some national attention, Uh, a little bit of national buzz. I wouldn't say hype. I would say buzz. People are paying attention now. I'll tell you like um, national attention, you know, like a lot of that attention is is very like they'll be like okay let's look at the stats look at these guys these are our guys this is what we're going to talk about you know but we're pack 12 podcasts here we dive so much deeper like i remember i was watching that ucla game and they just kept saying over and over and over it's like the reason why the bruins are doing well this season is because of their big three dtr zach charbonnet and bobo out there um i want to know are there reasons outside of those big three that you are seeing a, a marked improvement for this UCLA team? I'd say the 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 most surprising one, I would say, is the offensive line. I think mm. uh, the first three, four games, I'd say maybe the first three games. Colorado, it looked better. Um, the first three games, UCLA's offensive line did not look good. We knew that they had some serious depth issues on the offensive line. They, they converted defensive linemen into an offensive lineman as part of that to shore some of those issues up. They haven't recruited well at the offensive line. They just lost their offensive line coach, who was fantastic. His name is Justin Fry. He went to Ohio State. Uh, and in an upgrade, he was a fantastic offensive line coach, I think very well heralded um, and, and given a lot of credit. And so I think those offensive line performances early on were not great. Um, but I think the sneaky... The, the the sneaky important thing about DTR's successful season is that he's been given time. A lot of it is himself doing some stuff that is helping out his offensive line, but a lot of it is offensive line doing what they need to do uh, to give him the time he needs to make reads, make throws, uh, and stay somewhat comfortable in the pocket. Now, it's not perfect. It's not clean. It's not the best in the Pac-12, but it's uh, been surprisingly good the past couple of games, ex- especially against uh, a Utah team that sends does not care since six guys uh, most snaps is going to like try to pressure they were trying to pressure DTR all game uh, and the offensive line held up very admirably same similarly for Washington like Washington was also a, a team that likes to blitz and UCLA's offensive line picked it up when they needed it to so that's been the most um, 
the the most promising one certainly the most um uh, uh surprising one uh it's it's been a pleasure that and and then secondarily we sort of people have talked about this preseason they didn't look great in the first three games but then have started to pick it up again it's ucla's defensive line also uh they liatu latu the transfer from uw who i think was not medically ke- cleared came to ucla got medically cleared he looks like a top three defensive player in the Pac-12 this year. Um, he is probably, he's getting some defensive player of the year buzz. He's just wrecking things uh, in the pass rushes all over the place. Uh, the Gabriel and Grayson Murphy, two twins from like, I don't know, North Texas, I think it was. They have played very well as edge rushers. So uh, those two things, the lines have been, have been surprisingly good. Um. Dang, that sounds all of a sudden I'm excited here. Uh, so <laughs> UCLA football going to the Big Ten eventually. You, this, this is more of a question just for you personally. You diehard Pac-12 fan in like, and I know I'm talking about someone like I, I see you out in the waters and I'm in a leaking boat and I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe you're out there. Dude. You got to get one of the like I'm Oregon will be in the Big Ten most likely maybe soon enough or we'll join some other bullshit league i don't know <laughs> conference but um how do you feel about that transition just emotionally spiritually ucla uh, becoming a big 10 school you're gonna be playing fucking indiana all of a sudden <laughs> like I, how uh, do you feel about that yeah i thought we agreed before recording that you were gonna you were not gonna ask any big 10 questions <laughs> oh shit yeah, oh no, yeah no, well just... this is gotcha this is gotcha 12 buddy <laughs> uh no, you, I, I, uh, I think initially I was shocked and maybe even a little bit excited uh, because, you know, UCLA having more resources and becoming a big time program sounds great. I think over time I've come to realize it's a horrific decision. Um, I think it's bad for UCLA. I mean, I get that sort of people are like, well, why do we care about the Pac-12? Fine. If you don't care about the Pac-12, consider the, the UCLA side of this. It's not a it's not a great move. I'm not feeling I'm not feeling great about it. Uh, I think that the Big Ten is a more competitive league, top to bottom. There are eight programs there who you know we talk about. I'm not sure. I guess Oregon because Oregon fans. Maybe this isn't a conversation that comes up because for Oregon fans, it's like your Pac-12 contenders every single year for the past 10, 10 15 years. Uh, but for most college football fan bases, they sort of have this illusion that like you know what, it would just be really great if we were bowl eligible every year and every four or five years we pop off and get 10 wins, 11 wins. We win the conference and that would be ideal. And the UCLA fans say the same thing. Cal fans say the same thing. Arizona State fans say the same thing. That sort of seems to be like a like a thing that people strive for, right? Just understanding expectations, bowl eligible every year, competitive, and then pop off every every once every four or five years. That's like eight Big Ten teams. There's like two Big Ten teams that are like, going to get double digit wins no matter what right ohio state and like you know michigan and and probably even penn state Mm -hmm. and then you have like a bunch of programs that are like minnesota or iowa or even northwestern that are like they're bowl eligible almost every year and then they pop off for 10 wins every four or five years they have like four or five of those programs there the pac-12 does not have that right they they don't really even have any I think maybe this year might be a little bit different, but in the past have not had any elite team, like a, a elite team since really since Stanford, UW, Oregon. Um, and so that coupled with, we don't also have teams that are like going bowl eligible and then popping off every one to four years. That's not a thing that's happened. 
So UCLA is going to be in a more competitive environment. The increase in money is not going to like matter much because the rest of it's not like the rest of the Big Ten that their rest of their competitors are going to be getting less money. They're getting the same amount of money. Um, so that I think is 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 concerning. Uh, I I don't want to see UCLA. Like I don't really care if you say like gets a hundred million dollars a year if they're going four and eight, right? Like, or even <laughs> five and seven. Like, why would I care? It's not money. I'm not getting a dime of that money. What What does it matter to me? Um, that and I think like the the you know that's the big one, and that's my appeal to like UCLA fans and even Oregon fans. Like, you know, you're gonna go to a more competitive league. Like, I get everyone wants to go to the Big Ten and think that their programs will die if they don't. Um, if UCLA and USC hadn't decided to do that then this would not have happened, right? Like this, the college football is not dying if UCLA and USC decide not to go to the Big Ten. Yeah. I would say the same thing to Oregon fans. Like, it's going to be a more competitive league. They get to run the Pac-12 right now. They will not get to run the Big Ten. They just won't. Ohio State will always be a national title contending team. Michigan will always stand in the way. Penn State will always stand in the way. It's like, you're, you know, Oregon can probably aspire to be a Wisconsin. And so, so will UCLA. USC... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, they they are the ones that have a higher ceiling, but I don't know Just, why we would want that. I get what you mean, and, and it is pretty gross that it's so clearly all based off money. Like, yeah. there's no way you could <laughs> you could tell like, oh no 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 no, athletes that aren't uh, football athletes at UCLA. This makes a lot of sense. Don't worry. <laughs> By the way, I just want to point out that uh, Oregon has a more recent win over Ohio State than Michigan or Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, point. so UCLA. <laughs> Back to the Bruins. Um, I don't know. They do seem exciting to me. It is always funny as an Oregon fan, we're always comparing them to be like, okay, I know what Oregon used to be. That was a whole lot of fun. We're nothing like that anymore. I know what Chip Kelly is now, and I want it to be what Oregon was, but it is not. He is constantly kind of changing his his like offensive approach. I mean, it always has to do with speed, you know, uh, but it, it's been really interesting watching Chip Kelly, like, I don't know, take shape there. Are you excited to enter this new conference with Chip Kelly? Uh, no. Uh, here's, <laughs> yeah. uh, here's why. I, I think Chip Kelly is – my thoughts on Chip Kelly are uh, – first of all, my thoughts in the season. I'm just going to enjoy this season. This is like I have never – this is the best season so far through six weeks that I've ever witnessed uh, in my time as a UCLA fan. So, like, kudos to Chip Kelly for that. You have to, like, credit him for that. That is not – you know, I, I by no means did he just, like – get a bunch of talent and the talent is working its way through. Like this is uh, chip Kelly. Mm -hmm. The issue with chip Kelly and like going forward into the big 10 is, uh, and, and I think what Oregon fans would probably, uh, uh, what tracks with their time with chip Kelly is he's a horrific manager of a roster. Uh, mm -hmm. uh like very, very, very bad. Uh, he has the, most of this team and most of its playmakers are, uh, and, and, and sort of like people who are, uh, contributing to the team are transfers. Uh, that is a very tenuous, precarious strategy to just go after transfers every single year. Um, Zach Charbonnet is a transfer. Jake Bobo, a transfer from Duke. Uh, much of the offensive line are transfers. Uh, the defensive lines, like Gabriel Murphy, Grayson Murphy, Leotilatu, all transfers. Um, you know, they've got a couple of linebackers. Like, so much of this team are made up of transfers. That's a bad strategy for building a program. Uh, it's sort of like just having to reinvent every single year. 
and and I think it doesn't quite work. I feel like the only time it's ever worked consistently is not even in this sport. It's basketball, and it's Dana Altman. Like I feel like <laughs> he can he can do that uh, unless Chip Kelly's Dana Altman and like. Dana Altman is kind of uh, uh, an end of one there in college basketball yeah. in terms of just getting transfers uh, and and molding them into something. Unless Chip Kelly is that, I don't. Uh, I'm not very excited about I, even next year. Um, what the roster is going to look like next year, right? Like I don't. Uh, it's it's not promising. DTR will be gone. Zach Charbonnet will be gone. Jake Bobo will be gone. Maybe the the de- half the defensive line might be. Excuse me, might be gone. Um, so that's the thing, right? Is that like, you're going to have to build a competitive roster at some point. You just can't sort of say, all right, well, we'll figure it out in the transfer portal. It's like not a thing. Uh, look at, well, look at Oregon's talent base. Like that's their, their recruiting. They are elite recruiters. And the thing about Oregon is like, they're set up so well that like, even if Dan Lanning is not a great coach, as that turns out, their floor is a six and six team. They're having a great season. They could fire Dan Lanning tomorrow get the next guy in and he could go 10 and two if, if he was just decent, right? That's what talent gets you it just improves your margin for error. You don't need an elite coach to coach them up and develop them. They're just all very high level players. So that's what I'm not worried about, but you know, we're in this season. And so I try not to think about this year because it will be bad and that will be fine. But I just, you know, I'm trying to enjoy this year, but no, I'm not excited about Chip Kelly in the big 10 unless there's been, unless there's a huge shift. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Well, back to this game. Uh, well, just so you know, uh, speaking of like how sometimes transfers can be like good for you in the short term, not so good in the long term. Sometimes they can be so crucial because I'll tell you this right now. If Bonix gets injured and we're <laughs> out, no offense, Ty Thompson, we are absolutely fucked. We are not scoring yeah. one more point after Bo Nix leaves the field. Just so you know, compared to you guys, you almost beat us with Garbers. You <laughs> almost beat us with Garbers. Well, that's because Mario Cristobal is telling Anthony Brown he's not allowed to throw past five yards past the line of scrimmage. Fucking real, my man. (laughs) I think Bonix would look exactly like like my man Anthony Brown if he was here last year. Like I truly do. I truly. Yeah. No. I mean, look at what Anthony Brown did with the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason. It's like, wow. We all thought this dude was bad. That was the nail on the coffin, dude. I was here saying like I don't think Justin Herbert really has what it takes to. I think he can maybe good be a decent um lifetime backup in the nfl that was me a diehard duck (laughs) homer fan i felt the same way you know i watched justin herbert and being like and there's there's a lot of oregon fans who i think uh have some revisionist history and remembering about the (laughs) yeah I, i agree he was he was merely good he was he was not bad by any means he wasn't even mediocre he wasn't middling he was just good but he wasn't great like i definitely remember watching justin herbert being like He's a good quarterback. Like he's he's totally fine. He'd probably be like top four in the league this year. But like by no means was he ever an elite quarterback uh, mm-hmm. in college. Maybe he had some moments, but I never felt that he was elite. Uh, and and it was surprising that he that he has been so incredible. Apparently, and if, I don't know. I haven't watched a snap of him in the NFL. But I I do hear that he had like uh, and this is clearly the near the end of the interview. When I roped you into a Justin Herbert conversation, but um, <laughs> I, I heard that he had like a lot of actually like key teaching moments after he left Oregon, going in the NFL. Like certain QB people being like, "You do this, and you're changing your whole thing." And then, so it's not only that, but it was like the offense was Justin Herbert, 
and then you're not giving him the deep ball. You're not letting him run because he broke his his collarbone that one year, mm. and ever since then. So it's like, well, if you take a great mobile quarterback and you don't let him throw down the field and you don't let him run, things get a lot tougher for him, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Cristobal's gone. He can't hurt us anymore because he's not <laughs> making it to a bowl game, so we won't be seeing him for a while. Oh, um, funny. Carlos, this is it. This is it. This is where I dissect your brain because for me, I'm just a homer. I'm a Quack 12 fan. I can, I, I love shitting on the rest of the Pac 12. I also love them though. Even Washington, there's slight <laughs> little bit of love. Um, but for you, you are you are a, a UCLA fan here, and then on the other side of your brain, you're a Pac 12 fan, and, and and those got to go back and forth. So I want you to give me a score prediction. Using whichever side of your brain that you're really going for a year, Oregon versus UCLA. What's his final score? Oh, I I can never separate my UCLA brain and my Pac-12 brain. I I think uh, going on the road to Autzen is challenging. It's going to be tough. Those road games matter. Uh, like the the home field advantage matters. I. I I'm torn because I think the one thing that this game will hinge on, I think the one thing I'm going to be watching more than anything is whether UCLA's pass rush gets to Bo Nix because Mm. Bo Nix, he has not been forced into some uncomfortable situations as of yet, except for Georgia, but we throw Mm. that out. Uh, he has not, and even that it was like he was back there feeling comfortable and then yeah, fuck it up. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. so if he's thrown into uncomfortable situations, that's when I start thinking this might be a toss up. That's when I start thinking, can he is he going to revert back to what we thought Bo Nix was right now? He's comfortable right now. He's he's like picking apart defenses, doing whatever he wants. Uh, weird to say that Bo Nix is going to be a big key to this game, but I think. I think Oregon's offensive line is very good. Uh, I think it's the best one that UCLA will have faced to this point. Uh, I think that UCLA will put up points because, uh, you know, UCLA is a, a, a really great offensive team. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say Oregon wins this one. I'm going to say Oregon 44. Let's say, I don't want to copy the Washington State score. Let's say Oregon 45, UCLA 42. Something like close. I can imagine what this game is going to come down to, just like it did with Utah, just like USC Utah will uh, this week. I know this might this might come out after that game's over. It's going to come down to like who's going to get one or two just like random stops in the fourth quarter, uh, just by the the like shoestring tackle, like on third and three forces them to punt. Uh, and I think Oregon's going to be able to do that i trust oregon a little bit more to do that right now than than ucla so i think i think it could be close although to your point you know you you we we talked about you know when you came on no truck stops uh talked about like hey this is this might be a, a a a game where oregon pulls away late so i could see i could see uh you know oregon getting an extra stop and being ahead and then Putting and then getting up two scores, right? And then it's back and forth, but it's like Oregon's got a three-point lead, then a 10-point lead, then a three-point lead, then a 10-point lead. So I could see it going that way too. Oh, man. Well, here's hoping it's game days here because, God damn it, they should come to the West Coast every once in a while. That would be great. That would be great. I'm going to Austin for this game. I'm gonna, oh, you I'm are? Glad. I am. I've never uh, I've never, I've never, never been, so I'm, I'm excited to go. I'm trying to see all the Pac-12 stadiums. All right. Well, if you want to grab a bite to eat or something, hit me All up. right. All right. Uh, 
my man over here, Carlos, a Pac-12 enjoyer, um, at Equity Bruin. I know you're all Duck fans, so I'll spell it out. E-Q-U-I-T-Y-B-R-U-I-N. At Equity Bruin is where you can find him on Twitter. Part of the wonderfully hosted podcast at No Truck Stops. Um, if you're running Duck fans, if you're like working out in the mornings and you like to listen to podcasts while you're doing it, and you need that little extra motivation to get you working out a little bit harder, some of these takes that they have on these ducks, <laughs> whoo, I could tell. I could tell a duck team has hurt each individual host at some point in their life uh, you can hear it but it really is a great listen uh a lot of just wonderful shit talking shooting the shit a lot of good shit um, i appreciate that absolutely always a pleasure to have you on dude um yes we'll see y'all next week go ducks quack quack and we're back on quack we quack, were quack. just we were just talking about UCLA fans are really hyping themselves up. Like you're hearing a lot of like shit talking on Twitter and stuff. Fair enough. That's fun. That's wonderful. You should. You're six and zero and stuff like that. Uh, you know, beat some ranked Pac-12 teams. But I do feel like overall there is a bit of the forced. Like I don't think. I don't know. I feel it's a little forced. I guess that's what I'm saying. Uh, the under the veneer of confidence. I think these UCLA fans are very afraid to come into Eugene, as they should be. Though the last—I mean, our last few wins over UCLA have been very competitive, and so I am excited. But I'm feeling also more confident against UCLA than I have in a while. Like I don't know, the team's looking really good. Their defense ain't looking so good. Uh, can I ask you the day? I mean, we're going to have a really wonderful interview coming up here. Uh, keep an eye on the feed, diving much deeper into UCLA. But, Hithliday, are you? how are you feeling about Oregon versus DTR? Well, that's, I mean, that's the game. Right. Like, right. you know, U, UCLA is, you know, their statistical profile looks like an awful lot of Pac-12 teams this year um, in which, you know, their, their rushing uh, offense is fairly inefficient. They can occasionally break off a big run. Um, you know, their defense is no great shakes, but, it, you know, they can, you know, generate, they can get some turnovers that keeps them in games. Uh, but otherwise they're, you know, their the defensive efficiency is fairly poor, especially against the run, you know, which sets up sort of a, you know, an obvious strategy of Oregon trying to run the ball a lot, which they're fairly good at, you know, and trying to play ball control. Um, and who knows the weather may play a, a role in that um, in the sense that it'll be chilly, not in the sense that it'll be raining. Cause that's impossible. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, and then, you know, the final factor, just like a whole lot of PAC 12 teams is, it's a, you know, dynamic passing offense with a quarterback who's really difficult to bring down and can make plays off schedule, um, which, you know, so, so therefore I sort of feel, you know, the same way about this as I felt about Arizona, about BYU, um, about Wazoo, you know, like, you know, as I was, you know, saying, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the previous segment, like it's a very quarterback centric game. And if you're playing a good quarterback, it's sort of, you know, like you're, the opponent is going to be in it. If the opponent has a good quarterback, regardless of everything else, because a good quarterback, you know, does everything. 
um, you know, you know, can rescue you. In fact, Oregon's, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Oregon's game last game against UCLA was really tight. You know, it wasn't until the end, you know, yeah. like the, you know, Oregon was up by, I don't know what it was like 28 points, 20, 31 points, you know, some crazy yeah. thing like that in the third quarter. Um, and, and then basically, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson by himself, you know, was making throws that weren't really there, was making off schedule plays, you know, was rescuing Chip Kelly from his sometimes screwy play calling. <laughs> um, and in bizarre protection, you know, notions about how they were going to do their pass protection. Um, and like, you know, yeah, you know, he's a fifth year starting quarterback, you know, in the same system with the same coach, you know, like, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's going to make some off schedule plays. He's going to make some heroic passes, you know, UCLA is going to be in this game. Um, that said, you know, across every other, you know, metric, you know, Oregon has a, you know, a big statistical advantage. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of points. I, I'm still feeling very confident in Oregon, especially in Eugene, but we'll see what the hell happens. They got to play the game. Y'all, it's time for us to go into a very important segment. The Picks. The Picks. I picked the wrong one. I think Aaron picked the right one here. And then <laughs> I, I trumped you, him with the wrong one. It. <laughs> Bottom 11. That's right. It's not the oh. pick. It's bottom 11, y'all. Now, uh, Ducks, they're at the very top. We all know that. But how about the rest of the Pac-12? How are they doing? It it was fun. It was. I watched a whole lot of football. I really was like, hey, it's bye week. So I'm going to finally just kind of flip around. I, I'm not going to be as tied to anything, even Pac-12 games. That being said, like, I, I, like, missed a whole bunch of, like, Alabama, Tennessee, which, you know, I never watched, like, SEC football. But I was watching that because it's such a big game. It was close. Um, but because I was watching Colorado Cal, baby. That's, oh. that's my game. And uh, Aaron and I both chose Cal. I listened to last week even. We were both being like, I was like, Aaron, listen to me. Like, I'm doing you a favor. Colorado. Oh, no. What happened? Uh, Colorado won the damn game, dude. Both of Dang us got it. this wrong. Colorado won their first. Everybody got that wrong. Yeah. I I, I run a, a Pac-12 pick em and like literally every person picked Cal yeah. to win and to cover. Um, yeah. Uh, the survivor pool is completely devastated. <laughs> nice. nice. That's what did it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It, it's just, I mean, it, and if you had to look at Colorado's schedule and you had to choose a win, sure, Cal would potentially make sense because of their offensive issues. But it was just like Colorado truly didn't look like they were going to be any. It looked like they were going to steal Washington's 0-12 record, the only 0-12 in the Pac-12 season oh, that's ever happened. But, hey, they got the win. It's the first time they've covered this season, I believe, even. And Justin Wilcox should feel bad. <laughs> Cal fans yeah, he... definitely feel bad. Like No, I don't. I don't think he does feel bad. No. <laughs> like, remember, Justin Wilcox, Oregon football player. So was Bill Musgrave. Mm. So was Peter Sermon as offensive and defensive coordinators. Yeah. So, like, I feel like they were looking at, you know, Colorado potentially taking, you know, Washington's 0-12 streak and took one for the team. You know, they 
you know, they knew how important that was to Oregon, just like they got gave their entire team COVID last year mm-hmm. so they could throw the game to Arizona exactly. to keep them from from taking Washington's 0 and 12. So like, you know, double agents, you know, Wilcox, Mil- Musgrave and Sermon, thank you for your service. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It, it was like Colorado. It, it was just one of those games where it's like, well, both teams aren't doing great. But because clearly one is an underdog, it just felt and read, and, and I think was the case, that Colorado was giving it their absolute all. And, and Cal was, you know, they were definitely trying to win this game. But, I mean, Colorado, it was their Super Bowl. Um, you know, they had the interim head coach, and it, it, uh, Sanford, and it, it, it worked. They did it. It was awesome. I mean, it was a sellout crowd. Oh, and, and the catch? They were all wearing white. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this game is that, like, really, Cal should have won it. You know, it was like it required, I think, like seven different things going against Cal and for Colorado Mm. that were each sort of like, I mean, no individual one was like blow your brains out like crazy. But like the fact that, you know, it it was one of these things where like everything had to go Cal's or Colorado's way for them to get the upset. It still would have been a humiliating performance for Cal, Mm. you know, but like. You know, this probably should have been like the game probably should have ended 17 to 13, you know, but Cal, you know, because Cal at the the very last minute of the game was standing on the goal line and then called three really stupid plays. One of them should have gone in like if they had just run the ball four times, they would have gotten a touchdown and the game would have been over, (laughs) you know, like. Well, and it took. uh, it took like an amazing uh, picturesque catch from Mont. Uh, this is one of my favorite oh, yeah. games of all time. Montana Lemonius Craig. I always think of that like Key and Peel sketch. Like this is truly <laughs> the most right. Key and Peel name, Montana Lemonius Craig. Uh, but um, just a just tip of one toe, fully extended over receiver. Like uh, I mean, over defender. Like it was it was wonderful. And then also. In the end zone, uh, Plummer like throws it to a man. The Golden Bears got it in the end zone, and, and then he starts to pose, right? <laughs> yeah. He starts to do the like, Yeah, I'm the hero who just won the game. And then, <laughs> then Buff comes in, boom, punches that ball out. And like, that's kind of what it felt like. It was just like Colorado is in their fans, they had fans in the stands that were stoked. UCLA, no excuses. Uh, Stanford, no excuses. But like, it's just like, like they were ready to run through a wall. It was so fun. I, 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 even though I had a parlay on, um, uh, on Cal winning. And I had in like this, I had you know Cal winning. I was still really quickly being like, "Oh no, I'm I'm rooting for Colorado in this." That's one. funny. It was I was glad that they got the win. They deserved it. Uh, Washington versus Arizona. Didn't see a lot of this game because I was like popping on to like two other different games, including the Mariners play in the playoffs. Like I bet a whole bunch of Huskies fans were not watching this game. They were instead watching the Mariners. I really feel like that is a thing. I bet you Gaby. I want to ask Gaby when we talk to her. I what think was it she depends watching? on how much you enjoy foot. I mean, baseball. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Mariners, baby. Uh, but if I lived in Seattle, I would totally be watching the Mariners instead of the Huskies. Like it's... I get to watch a mediocre Huskies team every year. <laughs> I, I get to watch Seattle in the playoffs like never. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so many. There's like people who can now legally drink who've never seen the play <laughs> them in the playoffs. So. Uh, 
it was it was a uh, from what I saw from what I understand it's like Washington won Arizona certainly made it competitive though got a lot of even if it was like rallying they got a lot of uh like yards um freshman of the week again for uh I forget his name but T-Mac um it was yeah it's a little troubling but it's the way Washington has been winning you know I I don't think Washington's like a garbage fire or anything I think they're you know doing I think their defense is a garbage fire yeah their defense is a garbage fire that is very true uh, like they kind of look and, like and honestly bad like Oregon teams <laughs> like there's a there's a couple plays in this game where I sort of feel like um, if they were officiated differently, I'm not making accusations. I'm just saying, you know, officiating or subjective calls. They're not, it's not something that you as a player determine it's some, it's outside your control. Uh, Arizona could have been, you know, yeah, closer or even won this game. Like, it, yeah, it was, it was not a dominant win. Definitely. Um, so that's not great. And it was in Washington, I do believe, right? In Seattle. Yes. Correct. Uh, so, hmm. Uh, good thing, uh, yeah, Washington doesn't have any more trap teams coming up. Uh, then we got a no. The thing about that, <laughs> yeah. hey, just one thing, you know, that's interesting about Washington is that, like, the, the you know, remember Oregon just played Arizona and Oregon rushed for 300 yards, right? And, like, everybody's rushed for, like, 300 yards against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Washington rushed for 79 yards. Very good uh, point. Against them. Like, this rush defense that can't stop anything, you know, it, it, like, and it wasn't that they weren't trying, you know, they, they tried running the ball like 29 times, you know, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, Washington's rush offense is just, it's, eh. and they, and like, it kind of doesn't matter because they, they, they want to throw the ball like a million times every game. It's like a two to one passing ratio, but like, Mm. if you can't run the ball against Arizona, it means you can't run the ball period, like full stop. It means that like, and, and that means like going forward with Washington, like if your defense stinks and your rushing offense stinks, then you have only one option, which is games that look like this, yeah. where you need to boat race your opponent. You need to always keep them at arm's length by staying one touchdown ahead. You know, and, it really and, and feels hold. that way in every game they've done good, good and bad. It's just been the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Um, then we have this. So both of us chose Washington that one. And then I probably also, I don't think I forced Aaron into this pick. I didn't force him into anything. But uh, so we were like, Stanford's, I mean, Stanford does suck. Stanford does really suck. It turns out, and this, it looked like this may be the case Notre Dame sucks more. Uh, it was, this game was watching paint dry. This Did I pick fun. Notre Dame to win? Both of us picked Notre Dame. That doesn't sound right I, at all. I mean, just listened to it. I just listened to it yesterday. All right. I, I mean, doubt this myself now. My past self was an idiot. Yeah. What can I? I mean, aren't we all? Uh, by the way, I should say for that last game too. That was I didn't make the sound bite. Sorry, Hithliday, but it's gonna be something like, like <laughs> Hith hype or like Hith hype Hith. Hith's pick, something like that. Wow. You chose Arizona as, I I mean, you basically are looking for the chaos. Yeah. Uh, you chose I, Arizona win, and like it was, it was nearly there. It was, it was. Yeah. I mean, door. considering that there were two Pac-12 games that had totally bonkers upsets, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna claim like I, you know, a win on that one. But I will say that like, uh, yeah, it, you know, if you. 
you know, given the, the talent levels, you know, for Washington versus Arizona, that mm-hmm. game shouldn't have even been close. And the fact that it was, you know, is, you know, a good indication of like the trajectories of those two teams. I agree. But uh, Stanford at Notre Dame, that is pretty key here. Yeah, uh, they won. And like it was a pretty boring game, low scoring. And then it was like Stanford was up like almost the whole time. Then Notre Dame went on a drive. And then surprisingly, Stanford answered. And then that was, and then Notre Dame had like a fart of a offensive drive, and they lost the game. It was really just like Notre Dame didn't have any offense in this. Yeah, like they held Stanford to sixteen points, which is like that's what you're supposed to do to Stanford. Like that, that's you know because McKee's a dangerous quarterback, and and Wilson in particular is like a really dangerous um, uh, pass ca- Wilson and uh, and uh, Tremaine are really dangerous pass casters. Um, but like, yeah, I held them to a touchdown on three field goals. It's like, yeah, that's about right. You know, the, the problem was like Notre Dame is like, ugh. and that's mm-hmm. another one where like they only rushed for 150 yards against Stanford's rushing defense, which is like maybe the worst in America. Like <sighs> that's bad. Notre Dame, like that's really bad. And it's not just the quarterback, you know, like if you have a lousy quarterback, like, OK, hand the ball off a million times against defense that can't stop the run. Notre Dame couldn't do that either. You know, they rushed 34 times for 150 yards. That's bad. Like, the, that's real bad. Tanner McKee, all I'm saying is KJ Costello had a lot of success over at Mississippi State. Imagine you in that system, dude. You could be winning mm. some games. Um, Yeah, Notre Dame, I mean, this is, that is bad. I think you really leave this game being like Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, what are you doing? Damn. It's fun, though. I mean, that's a... Out of conference win against like a historic power. So hey, yeah. good for the Pac-12. That's fun. Uh, yeah, we both got that one wrong. Utah. It probably this... means that USC has zero opposition except for UCLA, though. Yeah, no, really, honestly. Uh, you, but because this was the big one, Aaron. Utah defending SLC against the invading Trojans. USC came to play them. This was a big one. The last undefeated Pac-12 team. A lot of people, you know, it was their darling. Like they were number six team, I believe, at this time. At the last minute, a whole lot of penalties. Let's just say that. USC fans, that's that's kind of all they're talking about. I would, too, if I were them. But also, you know, there's a whole lot of things that go on in these kind of games. And, like, a defense could have helped you out. Um, it was, it was just USC couldn't stop Utah. Utah couldn't really stop USC unless there was some craziness going on. It came down to the last drive. Utah's going down. They score what they score to get under one, you know, so it's like they're trailing by one point. Dangham elects to go for the two point conversion. Dang. Which was kind of an easy. I mean, I was definitely it was definitely in the back of my head that I was just like, the way you're moving right now between like Cam Rising, or basically Cam Rising, uh, it just felt like, hey, you only got to go so far. It's right there, and it felt like it could be the game winner. USC still had time on the clock to all they needed was a field goal to win at that point, and in that game, it, it felt like, oh, they're I I think they're gonna get it. There was still some really weird, like, Pac-12 officiating shit where it was just like, there's like a defensive, 
pass interference, but then it was, but then they got an interception off of that, and then he like ran time off the clock, even though it was off a penalty, and then they were like, oh, but we blew our whistle accidentally, so we're gonna give you more time. Whole bunch of shit happened. USC did not rally and did not win this game. Should have given it to die more often. Oh my gosh, USC is upset. They lose to Utah, the very same Utah Utes that I chose and yeah. you did not. That surprised me. Usually you're going, you're back in those Utes. Yeah. But, uh, well, Utah I discovered the it. Texas Trojans and. That's right. You love that. Kind of tr- kind They're of actually more like the heart. Oklahoma Trojans, if anything, at this point, Aaron. I mean, with, with Lincoln Riley there, he was more. Oh, of, dang. Maybe is the that's Texas why. Trojans over already? That was fast. Yeah, sorry, bud. So uh, Utah wins this game. Uh, it it was entertaining, I'll tell you that, um, except for all the penalties. Did you learn anything new from this game, Hithliday, or is it just, yeah, that, that looks like those oh, teams. Well, I haven't done film study on it yet, but I'll tell you from watching it live and, and mm-hmm. then just the box score, you're right that the officiating was really screwy. I don't think that on balance it benefited one team more yeah. than the other. Um this was the first game I think that USC didn't generate a turnover, which is why I think it was close because their defense just stinks. Um, the they were uh, pretty pretty banged up, and then once uh, I I forget um Gendry right is that from he used to Gentry yeah. Gentry that's um, it. once he got injured it felt like there was no one in the middle of it. And... Well, and that's I I mean like that's on you're right that usg should have handed the ball to die a lot more he was running at something like six yards a carry and utah's rush defense is just not nearly as good as it has been in previous years um and then and the other thing is that like you know the sort of like sign of trouble to come for utah is that is that like their their rushing offense was not good in this game they really only had three things going for them in this game they had passes to Kincaid they had passes to Valet. oh that's they right. don't have anybody else who can catch the ball and they have like Cam Rising you know scrambling or, or designed runs or whatever because you know he's a you know fear you know one of these long lines like fearless Utah quarterbacks um and like that's it like their offense is it's not one-dimensional is kind of not the right word but it's not multi-dimensional you know it's not like they can do everything now they really just do three things yeah and just usc you know couldn't stop them at all like utah is not running the ball very effectively like in this game against again uh, not a good rush defense you know usc does not have a good rush defense they ran 32 times for 138 yards you know 4.3 average that's not utah's you know utah relies on their run game um and and the other thing you know i predicted this over the offseason like they're going to be in trouble with their tight end depth because like andy ludwig needs three tight ends and they've got one you know right now Mm -hmm. and like that's how you know it's really you know every pass that they threw to kincaid he caught he's 16 for 16 for 234 yards in that game like that's bonkers <laughs> God. like that's and that's probably like that's probably not sustainable you and, know? and like, it's not like i mean it's like anyone who's watched utah who knows andy ludwig it's like it, even though you know even though uh keithy's out it's like they they throw to the tight end like that's their game it's nuts he was able to be just that I guess you might a closing thought on this game is that like I felt the same way watching this game as I did watching the UCLA Washington game hmm. earlier this week or earlier it was a midweek game earlier this season. Hmm. Um and I like I'm glad that everybody got a lot of entertainment out of the game. Like I you know great it was a 
you know, fun game back and forth, you know, struggles and comebacks and the officials, you know, provided a good heel, you know, for the wrestling <laughs> match, you know, it was great. Uh, when I dive into it, I haven't done like charting on it yet, but just like, you know, looking at the box score, you know, and, and knowing what I know about, you know, other opponents, just like these are both like really incomplete teams, you know, that they do not have like full spectrum dominance um, where they're good at everything. You know, it's like they're good at a couple of things. They're bad at a bunch of other things. And when two incomplete teams, you know, play each other, you get like crazy fun games like this. Uh which like hooray for college football right like mm -hmm. you don't get to see that in the nfl because like those that's what happens you know the nfl is where you see full spectrum dominance on both sides and they're you know struggling to eke out like a penny's worth of difference against each other and, you know so it's boring you know and i don't know why anybody watches the nfl these games are fun but like both of these teams ought to feel bad uh, <laughs> about their prospects going forward because they're like they're really incomplete teams gotta say yep um, and then the final one, Aaron, you're going to get the win here. Because I Thank was really God. feeling confident for Wazoo. I was feeling confident. But uh, you know what? Oregon State's defense is now the one I'm really going to champion. Because I, 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 Oregon State, I mean, Oregon State, is, Jonathan Smith is just a really good fucking coach. And I wonder if anyone who with some real money is ever going to wake up to that fact and realize like, Oh, he built that team out of what? Like what? Like I don't know. He's he's just really impressive. The Beavers win this one, twenty-four to ten. Um, Gulp. Yeah, Wazoo's offense can be shut off. It seems like for by a, well, they were missing their best receiver in Bell. Oh, I, I mean that. that's which is relevant, but I mean they've got a bunch of other you know perfectly competent receivers. This was really just like Cam Ward had a real bad game. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, I sort of feel like, you know, I called that I didn't think that he was a very good quarterback and prone to be spooked. And then that's been true in every single game, except, except for Oregon, <laughs> you know, and so every Oregon fan, every time I say that is going to look at me like I'm crazy mm. and I'm going to point to games like this, or, you know, or just like, yeah, this is the, you know, every quarterback has their best game against Oregon phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Yeah, like I mean, it was the same stuff that you saw when Wazoo played Oregon, where he's like scrambling around out of the pocket and just like against Oregon, he made magic happen, you know, and there was a bunch of trick plays and like, you know, Wazoo pulled out all the stops, you know, in that game. And then this is like what that team performs like when they're not rock hard for the opponent the way that they always are <laughs> against Oregon for reasons that I don't understand you know yeah. against Wazoo's defense and I actually I sort of more than anything else saw this as a try sign of trouble for Oregon State because like mm. the quarterback was really inefficient yeah um and like you know that they're they're, they're really only getting good rushing performance out of one of their backs Damian Martinez this year um which like that's great you know but like where Oregon State's been really successful in the past you know several years under Jonathan Smith is when they have like at least a two-back system that they can rely on and like it doesn't look like they've got that right now um which like uh, I don't know like you know like that's enough to get you past the wazoos of the world but like in terms of being like a threatening team because they're going to a tough part of their schedule yeah like they just need one more game for a bowl game. Though. That's true. That's true. One more game. And like I like that is the nice thing about Jonathan Smith is like I don't even gotta look at the schedule. I know they're getting at least one more win. 
because he's going to get them there. Oh, and uh, they're playing well, I mean, Buffalo, they've got Cal <laughs> Colorado <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> yeah, they've got Colorado and Cal on schedule, so I'm sure they're going to make a bowl. And Washington, but, like, they may be able but, to you know, get some weird. Yeah, it's at Washington on a Friday, though. I, I don't. Hmm. I have a hard time seeing. Uh, uh, Aaron, you got to go to that game. Them. That'll be fun as hell. But like, I could see him losing to Arizona State. You know, to be honest, yeah. like I feel like Oregon State mm. and Arizona State right now are are at about the same you know performance level, and that one's in Tempe. Like, I I wouldn't bet on Oregon State in that game, frankly. Here we are, folks. The final segment. The pig. The pig. That's right, it's the picks. Uh, oh, yeah, I also do background music. I forget about that. And I always say it out loud and take the time to pull it up because it's <laughs> good radio. Here we go. Aaron, we're going to start off with the big one. Obviously, game day here. I will be choosing the number 10 Oregon Ducks over the UCLA Bruins. What say you? Oh, by the way, we both got only two right last week. Right. So the score right now, I have 39. You have 33. I'm going with Oregon. Woo! There's only four games to pick this this week, too. So I'm going Ducks, baby. Okay. I, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but that'll be a, it'll be a fun one. I think it'll be a Duck win. We'll see what the hell happens. Unless DTR goes... Well, he'd have to go Super Saiyan, and we would have to be playing under, like, what we're used to. It's my All I knows is there's three letters in the alphabet that I just don't give a shit about. D, T, and R. <laughs> I like it. That's fun. Uh, that'll be my game day sign. It's not very clever, but yeah, I'll be... <laughs> it's a little long. Uh, then we have ASU at Stanford. Stanford coming off a win. Their first FBS win in like 12 tries or something like that. ASU at Stanford. ASU kind of a, you know, in a pretty bad situation, but they're coming off a bye. Oh, yeah. I pick first. I, I'll, be, I'll be going with the Sun Devils. I think that Me? was... A- Meet Stanford. Meet Stanford. Aaron's pick for this week. Okay. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that slow mesh is what they need to do to cool down those Sun Devils. This season, I'm just tanking. Terrible. Yeah. Well, you're tanking for that number one pick for for the offseason. Colorado at Oregon State. Colorado's coming off a win, too. Can they keep it going in the terrifying confines of half of a stadium? The Potato Palace, as if they has coined it. Potato uh, Salad Palace. Potato Salad Palace. Sorry. It's not even good potato salad. salad. Let's be honest about it. Oh, it's... it's Risers pretty, is yeah. kind of a shit brand. It really is. Um, <laughs> which is why I'm going with... No, I'm going with... Well... I'm going with Oregon State. I'm going with Oregon State. I'm going to go with those Buffmen, baby. Go with the Buffmen. I like, I I want you to be right. That would be really fun. Uh, Wow, the second win for Colorado. Who would have thought? And the final one. This is always a tricky one, typically. Washington at Cal. Cal has upset them. More, I mean, surprising amount. It's usually a pretty good game. They're coming off a bad performance. 
Washington's coming off a win, but not a great performance. Washington's going to be throwing so much, but Cal's defense still their strength of the team, which is why, no, I'm going with... Fuck, I'm going with Cal, actually. I'm going with Washington. And you're going with Washington. That's a, That'll be something. I think that'll be a close game, actually. Hithliday, are you feeling a? I mean, you, you, is there a pick for you to make? I don't know if you're forced, if your hand is forced every week to make a pick if you're not feeling it, but I, there aren't any games that are sort of tra- like. I mean, Cal could beat Washington. I can definitely see. I, I mean, I can see a scenario for for all four teams who are dogs to to win. You know, their games. I don't think there's going to be. I, I think that it's the Pac-12. There will be some wackiness, but not like a. Ooh, there's a sneaky fun. You know, matchup. You know, this time. Like, I I think the I I think that Colorado is probably going to lose to Oregon State simply because. Um, Colorado's been reverting to the, their new interim DC plays a lot of cover two zone and like Jonathan Smith just tears up that defensive structure like even with a mediocre quarterback you should be able to find a bunch of throws uh, against that defense um, so you know I think that one looks like chalk I don't know it, it, like I don't know what to think about Arizona State because they had a bye week after they upset Washington right mm-hmm. and like are they going to go with the walk on backup quarterback? You know, like, oh, you know, is Stanford better than we think because they beat Notre Dame? Oh, like, yeah, I don't beats me, man. Like, th- this looks like a pretty like standard Pac 12, you know, kind of weekend where like, oh, a bunch of mediocre to bad teams are going to play each other and stuff will happen. Um, and then there's a headliner game in Eugene because when is there not? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is what it feels like. Hopefully it'll be a, a boring game of duck domination this week. That's what I would love. I mean, I really think that Oregon's just going to run the ball a million times and that, you know, people are going to be tuning out during the third quarter and then they'll tune back in during the fourth quarter because DTR, you know, like, ah, some crazy stuff. Uh, but like, you know, the, I have a feeling this is going to look fairly similar to the 2021 game in which like, you know, in the, the middle two quarters, you know, like like UCLA do some wild stuff in the first quarter because Chip Kelly likes doing that. Mm-hmm. And then the middle two quarters, Oregon will just sort of like grind out, you know, like a 24 point lead. Um, and then like, oh, it'll be wackiness in the fourth quarter. And then the game will be like decided by 10 points. But like, really, it was never and it like that's sort of how this game feels like it's going to be to me. My favorite part will be when Chase Coda gets an 82 yard touchdown calling it 82 yard touchdown on a screen that's what i think it's gonna be boom mic drop um once again this screen passes against ucla is not a bad bet their defense is really like aggressive up the middle and teams have been throwing screens pretty effectively against them that's what i'm saying against his old team too he's he's gonna feel good about that Once again, this has been the Quack 12 Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, find us on YouTube, find us at our Patreon, especially if you want to help us out for a measly $5 a month. You get so much quality programming, and you also help us do this every damn week. Uh, At Hithloday1, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one, is where you can find our guest over on Twitter as well as on Addicted to Quack, the wonderful SB Nation Oregon Ducks pod, uh, podcast. Oh, my God, I'm losing my mind. Website. Dude, 
and okay. a podcast. There you go. You can find. Yeah, there's so much shit there. It's so great. Oh, it never rains on this podcast. It I'm sure you can. Never yeah. rains on this podcast. This podcast is leaking all over the place, but that podcast, no, it's doing great. Aaron, yo, do you have do you have a crazy prediction for this game to to send us out? Something that will happen within the confines of this game it can be anything. The ball will be deflated upon one kick. Whoa. It'll pop. The That's kick. A mighty we'll kick. Call it the kick heard round the stadium. <laughs> there you go. Camden Lewis with the foot of gold. I love it. I love it. We love you, buddy. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go, Ducks. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. Oh, and thanks to Carlos of No Truck Stop.